Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy and Healthy. I am your host, Janine Amapola, and happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are having an amazing, amazing day. I am pre-filming this a little bit, but this episode was filmed a little bit ago, but now I'm just filming the intro and outro, so it's a Monday for me. It feels so much like a Monday, but I'm still having a great day. Um, just been filming some podcasts, and I am going to go work at a coffee shop later today with my assistant, and I'm really excited about that. This is going to be, I know, RIP, the last, last episode of season three wait where's the sound effect is it this one <laughs> nope not that one <laughs> it's so stupid but anyways you guys yes this episode or this season is coming to a close i've mentioned it before but i just want to take a little bit of a break i have a project i'm working on that's going to be taking quite a bit of time um just for the holidays i just want to take a little bit of a break and also i've been non-stop going haven't missed a single um episode since February 1st, I believe. And so I just want to make sure I take a break. I'm taking care of myself and we will be back stronger, better than ever in uh, season four around January, I believe like around January 15th or something. So I just want to say that I know it's really sad. So this will be the last episode. I'm pretty like, I don't know. It's like, it feels really just like weird being like, wait, no more episodes, but we'll be back. But for today's episode, I saved this episode for the last one just because I was really excited about this one. This guest I'm bringing on, I cannot even begin to tell you the impact this woman has made in my life. I was so like ecstatic when they reached out and her team reached out and um, that she wanted to be my podcast. So I'm going to be having Lisa Turkers on my podcast today. And this woman, oh my goodness, since like literally college, I've read her books and stuff. And she's been a super staple in my life. I've read her books Uninvited. It's not supposed to be this way. There's one more. And then now I just have her new book called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. It's her new book that's coming out, I believe, next week. And I got the pre-release. I've been reading it. I'm already on like chapter six or something. And it is an incredible conversation. We talked all about boundaries. This is something that I struggle with a ton is boundaries and saying no and being a people pleaser and a pushover, all the things. So this book, if you struggle with boundaries, you struggle with people pleasing, this episode is going to help you. But also this book, um, it's out, I believe, November 9th. So definitely check it out. But I think you guys are going to be blessed by this episode. Um, it is just such an honor to have Lisa Turkers on, someone I've looked up to for so many years and just love this conversation. And I'm friends with her daughter and stuff. And so it was just fun to kind of like actually get to see her in person um, on FaceTime or whatever. But uh, she's been like someone that I've just looked up to and friends with her daughter and everything. So this was, was just a great episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Let's just go ahead and jump on in with Miss Lisa Turkers and you guys are going to love it. Okay, Lisa, welcome to Happy and Healthy. I... I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. This is actually like a dream of mine. Um, I read your books when I was in college and one of your books actually drastically helped me so much when I was going through a really, really tough um, breakup around college. And so thank you so much for just being who you are and doing what you do and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, it's a joy to be with you professionally, but also we have a personal connection that you're really good friends with my daughter, Ashley. So this just feels like all in the family to get today. So this is yes. fun. 
I love it. Yes. And hopefully I get to get to meet you soon or you get to come out to Texas sometime soon. Yeah, I've just been so excited to talk with you because you're releasing a new book very soon on November 8th. You're releasing Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. I've already been reading it. Um, I'm already on chapter four. Your writing style is easily one of my most favorites. It's easy to read. But the way you write just really just punches you in the face sometimes where you're like, that kind of hurt, but it's also something you needed to hear. Um, So how are you feeling about this book? Are you so excited to have this thing out? You know, I really am. Um, I, every time I release a book and I do interviews, people often say, okay, of all the books you've written, because I think I've written 25 or 26 now, of all the books that you've written, which is your favorite? And I always say that question is kind of like asking of my five kids, which is my favorite. So right. I usually to that question, say whoever's being nice to me that day. <laughs> so <laughs> That's with funny. Good Founders and Goodbyes, because it's the most fresh message, I have such an affinity for it right now. But also I do think this is one of the most important messages that I've written because I truly know that where there's chaos in our life, there's usually a lack of boundaries. And I have experienced in the past eight years, deep heartbreak and so much just dysfunction and toxicity and, um, and devastation um, and chaos in one of my most important relationships. And, um, and I felt a little bit powerless because I thought in order for the relationship to get better, this other person had to change. But I was utterly frustrated because you can't make another person change. So I had bought into this mentality, boundaries don't work for me. And I was also kind of struggling, like, is God okay with boundaries? Are boundaries even biblical? Because sometimes it feels a little unkind or maybe unchristian. And so I had a lot to wrestle through myself. And so one of the reasons I really like this message is I don't start right out of the gate, like, you need a boundary and I'm the boundary expert. Instead, I come along beside people and say, I struggle with this too. Now let's do some work, some really important work. Wow. Yeah. Your book is incredible and I've already been reading it and I I can totally see that. Yeah. You don't just like shove the truth in our face. You actually empathize with us first. And I mean, this is coming from a place that you're walking through personally, which is why I think I've always loved your books is because it isn't something you haven't experienced or you haven't gone through. It's always coming from a personal experience, which are the situations that I personally relate to the most. And, you know, especially when it comes to marriages or exes or whatever, you know, you're absolutely right. Like that was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was that you can't change people. And we grow up thinking like, no, like I can be his hero. I can save him. I can change him. Maybe I'll be the anomaly that finally fixes this man. And it's like newsflash, we're not, which stinks. Like it, it so stinks. Um, but yeah, could you kind of just like share more of your story regarding the book? Because you do share, you know, the separation of your husband more in this book. But I'd love to just hear more of like why you wrote it and how are you doing now in comparison to when you wrote the book? Yeah, so I didn't want this book to be about the ending of my marriage. I call it the death of my marriage. I wanted this book to be about the work that I discovered I need to do on myself. I had worked really, really hard on that relationship, but now it was time to work on myself. And it was time to admit that I had 
some dysfunction that I needed to work on. And one of the things my counselor helped me identify was the tendency to be um, codependent. And, you know, sometimes people hear that word and they're like, no, I'm not codependent. I'm very independent, you know, because I'm a strong woman. And that's kind of how I had treated that word for a long time. And then my counselor gave me this little um, setup to better understand how codependency was playing out. And it's this, I'm okay as long as you're okay. So are you okay? So I can be okay because I just need you to be okay. So I can be okay, okay? And when my counselor did that, I was like, wow, I really do want to know that the people around me are okay because that helps me feel okay. And so I needed to work on that. And boundaries became a really important part of working on that. And part of the, the thing I had to face was people pleasing, my tendency to want to keep people happy and it played out with people pleasing. But as I dug underneath the people pleasing, what I started to really better feel challenged, talking about stepping on toes, I was stepping on my own toes as I was coming up with these revelations. And that is that I wasn't just pleasing people to try to keep people happy. I was trying to please people to keep them happy so that they wouldn't take from me what I felt I had to get from them in order to feel okay in this world. And when I started to recognize that, it made me understand in some of my relationships, I was wanting that other person to give me something that really the Lord should have been giving me and the Lord was trying to give me. And I think we will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. So I had to face that fear and step into it. And my counselor also says, what we don't work out, we act out. And I wanted to do the hard work. I'm not just working on this, but working through this so I could be a healthy, stable individual moving forward, understanding what I need to get from God and what's appropriate to get from other people. Gosh, that is amazing. There's so many amazing truths in there. And I think that's what's so hard is like, in this culture, you know, I think people are now becoming more aware of boundaries, but it's so hard because we don't know how to do it properly. There's so many different dynamics, whether it's your own kids or siblings, parents, boyfriend, girlfriend. And it, it's so difficult. It's like each one is so, has so much nuance to it that you're like, how do I do this? And so I guess just like a quick question for you, but like, how were you before? Like, what did lack of boundaries look like to you before? And then what does that look like now practically for you? Like, can you give us an example or a situation? Yeah. So before I kept feeling like at any moment, other people had the right to dictate what I was going to be doing or what I had to give. Um, and my emotions kept getting hijacked because, you know, I know that I don't have an unlimited capacity for you know, I can't give everything to everyone all the time or else I will bankrupt myself. But I, I kind of felt like everyone else's emergency was my responsibility. And everyone else's demands were something, if they asked it of me, then I was compelled to say yes, because I'm their sister, I'm their mother, I'm their 
best friend, you know, I'm their wife. And so here's what I had to do. I had to think through what are some boundaries. If this was a, is, if this was just an everyday person, so take the title off of them and set it aside for just a second. We're not stripping them of that title. They're still my mother, my friend, my sister, all of that, but just take the title off. Think logically, what kind of boundary would I need if that person was just an everyday person in my life, then put the title back on and ask myself, what's my responsibility in light of their title, but very much giving honor to the boundaries that were needed for that relationship to be healthy. And here's a good exercise for us to think about in our mind to the level that we give someone access to us. They must bring appropriate responsibility on that same level to handle that access. But if we're giving level 10 access to someone and they're only demonstrating level three responsibility, that's where that dysfunction starts to happen. That's where the chaos is. That's where the need for a boundary is. You can try to put a boundary on another person, but that doesn't work because unless that other person wants to make the necessary changes to become more responsible with the access you've given them, it's just going to cause more frustration if you're trying to put a boundary on them to try to make them change. A better tactic is to put a boundary on ourselves in this situation and reduce the access that we grant them down to the level of responsibility that they're willing or capable of demonstrating. Is it easy? No. Are there a million nuances with different relationships to consider? Yes. What does it look like to reduce access in that relationship? That's something you need to put some thought to, but have that in your mind. Where am I giving too much access to people without requiring the appropriate amount of responsibility for them to handle the kind of access that I give to them? Mm, wow, that is so good. And I think like a follow-up question on that, because I think it's really difficult is how do you practically do that? Like, does that look like going to them and saying, hey, this is my boundary? Or because I think sometimes people just simply are so unaware because they're unhealthy, they don't know, or they've never had boundaries in their own life from their parents. And so like, I have people in my life that I can think of that I'm like, I need to establish more boundaries with you. And I'll do it on my own end. But then they feel me pulling away, they feel that boundary. And you probably get this, like, you notice there's a shift in them when they're like, wait a second, you're not responding anymore. You're not giving me, any, me anything anymore. How do you actually communicate that to where they respect it? And maybe they don't respect it, but you still know this is my boundary. How do you actually do that? Okay. So let's do a little role playing here. So Janine, tell me, are you the kind of person that kind of runs late or who's pretty staunch at being on time? <laughs> Unfortunately, I run a little late. Okay. Not a good habit. <laughs> so are you willing to own that today for my little example here? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. All right. So let's set the scenario. Janine, you are one of my most favorite people. You are a dear friend. I might even call you my best friend. And you and I really enjoy going to conferences together. So the problem is that my definition of being on time to the conference and your definition of being on time to the conference, they don't match up. I want to get there 20 minutes early 
so that I can get a good seat, get something to drink, go to the bathroom, check out the merch tables. And I want to be in my seat before the first note of the first praise song starts, right? You sometimes like to be more creative with your time and your definition of on time, which does not make you a bad person. It just makes you different. But your definition of being on time is as long as you get there before the last praise song ends, if, if you're there when the speaker starts, then you are on time, okay? So you can see there, there's the potential for conflict there. So if I'm having a conversation with you, this is how I would handle it. Janine, I really enjoy our friendship so much, and I especially enjoy going to conferences with you. And I need to own an issue that I have. Now, here's pay attention to this. I use the word and not but, because if I use the word but, that negates what I just said. So I love you. I enjoy going to conferences with you. And I have an issue. So you see how I'm putting the onus of the problem on me. So I'm saying, Janine, mm -hmm. I have an issue. And that is my definition of on time is that I get there 20 minutes early. I think we have different definitions of being on time. That doesn't make either one of us right or wrong. It just makes us a little bit different and that's okay. So in order for me to attend the conference and not feel so anxious that I wasn't there on time, I, I want to, to let you know that if we're going to ride together, we need to go so that we can be there 20 minutes in advance but I'm not putting this on you. So you completely can make your choice. And if you don't wanna get there 20 minutes in advance, that's fine. I'll go early, I'll save us a seat, I'll get where we're gonna be all settled, and then you can get there whenever you want to, and we can still enjoy the conference together. So the only thing this is gonna cost us is just we're not riding together, but that's okay, because I treasure our mm. friendship enough just to have this conversation. So see, that's not like this awful, terrible, horrible conversation. It's, it's providing an opportunity to establish where the freedom is in the relationship. Because if there's gonna be true freedom to enjoy the relationship, we have to know where the boundaries set the stage for that freedom. And it would be way worse for me to just start making up excuses, to push you away, to maybe ghost you when you text and say, do you want to ride the conference together? I'm convinced more relationships die, not because we attempted to have the conversations and they didn't go well, but more relationships die because there were conversations that needed to be had and never were had. And so it's for the sake of our relationship that this boundary is being established. I'm not weaponizing against you. I'm putting it on myself and giving you the freedom to choose. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to control you. I'm just letting you know what I need in this situation. So, you know, a lot of relationships are way more complicated. Um, the potential risk is way higher, but at least that gets us starting in the right direction. Gosh, that is so helpful. It's so helpful. You're taking ownership of what you want, what you can do, what you can contribute, your limitations. And I love that you're like giving them the freedom, but it's also like, I'm not going to necessarily stoop down to your level, but you're welcome to join mine, but you don't have to. And so, yeah, I think that's such a healthy way to go about it. And that does lead me to some fault questions though, because I feel like, you know, how do you handle the friends that they 
they are like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But you still usually feel pretty like drained by being around them and you feel sometimes resentful. And I love that you talked about like, we have to have the conversations that's just healthy conflict. And especially as grown adults, like it's so part of our, our lives that we have to have that. But like, how do you handle it then if you've had the conversations and you're starting to get resentful or they're not listening or you're starting to be around them and you're like, I just feel drained. Is that something that you just put a, a deeper separation? When do you walk away when do you end the friendship? I think a lot of people come to me and they're like, I have toxic relationships and I just don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. Such a good question. Well, there's a chapter in Good Boundaries and Goodbyes where I talk about having a million little funerals. And when we're caught in a situation where a relationship starts to feel unsustainable or so draining that it's bringing out the worst of us, not the best of us, then I would take steps, not leaps. So I wouldn't immediately jump to the extreme. I have to end this relationship, but I would take some steps. And the first step I would take is to ask myself the question, am I in this relationship with this person because of their potential, what they could potentially give me, what they potentially could become, or am I in this relationship because I like who they actually are right now? And so many times when I'm in a relationship that's draining, it's because I keep wanting this person to be something that they are not willing or capable of being. So I've learned I need to have a funeral for my expectations of this person, which then will give me the freedom to see them for who they are and potentially even learn to like them, not for their potential, but for their reality. So having having those many funerals sort of helps me cut away my false hope or my false expectations of them so that I can see who they really are. But then there also may need to be a funeral that this relationship is, is at a place where this other person is bringing zero responsibility. Therefore, it's my, it's my, opportunity to acknowledge that and to reduce the access down closer to zero. And that doesn't mean that we're walking away from another person. It means we're accepting reality. And if we've had the conversations of things that need to change, but the other person is unwilling or incapable of changing, then there are examples actually from the Bible where people had to part ways. And it wasn't because this person was evil and this person was good. It's because they, they had a different vision. And when you, have, when you have two people, one has a vision this way, one has a vision this way, that's called division. Mm -hmm. And so your vision is going in separate directions. A good example of this is Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were very close friends and then they had a sharp disagreement, is what the Bible says, over a man named John Mark, who was Barnabas's cousin. Barnabas wanted John Mark to go on the next missionary um, assignment with Paul, but Paul had had such a bad experience with John Mark before, he did not want him to go. So Paul and Barnabas literally had to go their separate ways. But what I see in that is each kept their hearts soft enough to where after enough time passed, there's no indication 
that Paul carried ongoing bitterness against Barnabas. And as a matter of fact, toward the end of Paul's life, he actually has deep affection for John Mark and that part of this dynamic was restored. So it's okay if sometimes we have two separate visions going in two different directions of what the relationship should be, could be, or needs to be. We have to acknowledge it, but we have to keep our hearts soft enough in the process that if the Lord would ever see fit for us to come back together, that I've appropriately said goodbye. I didn't talk ugly about this other person. I didn't slander their character. I didn't put a wall up in my heart that was so impenetrable that I gave no room for God to move. But instead, I handled the goodbye as best as I could. And maybe eventually there's the possibility for us to come back together, maybe not in the same way, but still in a cordial way. And I think that's important. Yeah, gosh, that's so, so helpful. And, and it reminds me of that quote of just leaving people better than you found them. Um, I think that is the hard part is that so many people, when they do split, you know, they do talk behind their back and they bash them. And and then imagine if that got back to the person, like that is ruining possibly the chance of there ever being reconciliation or redemption. And so I think that's just a good reminder for us of when the friendship doesn't work out or if it does, you know, go different ways of just kind of keeping that to yourself or only within a close circle of people that, you know, maybe can help you instead of just doing it in a form of slandering. And that's hard because everyone wants to make sure that their name is cleared and that they look the best and that they're not the one that ruined the situation. And I I love that you touched upon that because I do think that is so much harder said than done, especially when there is so much hurt against the person or pain or whatever has happened. Um, I think that's such a good point. Um, but I, I love that you talked about the Bible as well, because I think that is something that's quite difficult. And even just reading your book, you've talked about that, how the Bible isn't like super, super clear about do this, don't do that. Um, but could you kind of just share a little bit more of like, how, how can we love people well and look like Christ, but also know that there's limitations? Cause you know, the Bible says, forgive 70 times seven and turn the other cheek. And so a lot of people could be like, no, you just need to forgive. You just need to forgive. But then you end up becoming abused And I've seen that happen to me so many times where I forgive too easily and then I end up getting so resentful to the person. So how does that biblically look to do that? Well, I'm glad you brought up that scripture, both of the scriptures. Um, One, you know, Jesus calls us to forgive 70 times seven. And when we keep that in the context of how Jesus was never okay with abuse, we have to remember that forgiveness and reconciliation are not one and the same. We can forgive someone and and we can do that freely. But reconciliation is going to be dependent on so many factors, especially in situations where there's hurt being caused emotionally, physically, you know, whatever. When Jesus said for us to forgive 70 times seven, keeping in mind how Jesus worked and how he was always so compassionate on people who were being devalued or hurt, Um, when he says that, I do believe that Jesus wants us to forgive 70 times seven, but in some situations, in order to do that, we may have to create enough distance between us and that person that if they never change, we can from afar forgive them 70 times seven without getting destroyed in the process. Another verse that people say is like, Jesus calls us to lay our life down for a friend. 
Well, Jesus did lay his life down for us, for, for his friends. But he did it to accomplish a high and holy purpose, not to enable bad behavior to continue. We must not confuse the good command to love with the bad patterns of enabling. And sometimes we just get all of that really confused. So in my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, I go through so many of those scriptures at the very end of the book. It's a bunch of bonus pages at the end of the book where I use scriptures that people have have had weaponized against them to make them feel like a, a boundary is not something that they should keep. So I give the Bible verse and then the real meaning of that Bible verse, how it's been misunderstood. And then I actually give you a script to communicate if people use that verse to try to make you drop a boundary or to make you feel badly about a healthy boundary, then here's a script you can use to help facilitate an appropriate conversation. And so I really think that that's going to be really helpful in the book. And, you know, here's the bottom line. I did a lot of hours of research. I mean, probably close to a thousand hours of biblical research on this topic of boundaries, asking the question, are boundaries okay for a Christian? Is God okay if, if we draw boundaries? And what I discovered is boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually God's idea. God established the foundation of the world in Genesis chapter one, using boundaries. He separated the light and the darkness. He put a boundary between those two. He separated the land from the sea. He put a boundary between those two. And then isn't it fascinating in Genesis chapter two, the first recorded conversation that God has with Adam is around the topic of a boundary. Think of all the subjects God could have chosen for that first conversation. And yet God chose a boundary, but the way that God communicated it was so beautiful. He communicated to Adam, you are free because boundaries are for the sake of establishing where freedom is. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat from it, you will die. You see, it wasn't for the purpose of restriction, God was using this boundary as a protection so that Adam wouldn't eat from this tree that would cause so much hurt and devastation and open his eyes up to the heavy knowledge of evil. And so I, as I went through the Bible, I started thinking about Christians should be the very best people in the world at appropriate healthy boundaries. And I pray that my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, helps to start shift that mentality and help people understand boundaries are not just a good idea, they're God's idea. And we can be confident in that. Mm, amen. And I totally believe your book is going to massively change that. I mean, I haven't really seen, I know we have Dr. Henry Cloud's books about boundaries, but I think this is touching upon a different topic a little bit. Um, especially when you've, you know, been married or when you're dating someone or it's your family, like this also just feels so like close to home as well. And so I really do believe your book is going to do that. Um, and thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I guess some like other questions I have are how do you kind of handle though, when someone continues to make you feel guilty though? Cause I know, especially me being an Enneagram two, and I don't know what Enneagram you are, but, um, I'm a two. And so I naturally am a helper 
However, you know, the more that I help, the more that I feel like I get a little bit taken advantage of and then I get resentful. And I know that there's probably some counseling to be done in that, (laughs) but I definitely get like, I don't know how to say no sometimes, or I feel guilty saying no and I'll try to communicate and then someone can just bulldoze me. And then I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. How do you handle that? Yeah, well, I'm an Enneagram nine. So similar to the two, you know, I want peace. So I want to help. And I don't like the unrest and the tension that happens when I say no. So let me give you a quick little script about saying no, that might help you. Um, My heart says, yes, yes, yes. But the reality of my time right now means I must say no. And so that gives you the opportunity to say to, let's say one of your friends name is Sammy and Sammy is asking you um, to please help her with this fundraiser that she's doing. But you already know you do not have the capacity. You have limitations and it's not because you're selfish, it's because you're human, you know, only God is limitless. So when you do an assessment of your capacity and you recognize that you really do not have the time capacity to handle this well, it's better for you to tell her no early rather than later, because the longer you delay saying the no, the more expectation she's going to put that she's hoping you're going to say yes. So I call it the power of the small no. If you know it's a no, say it early. And the way you say it is, Sammy, my heart says yes, 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 because I would love to do this with you. However, the reality of my time makes this a no. Now, here's what I can do. I can contribute this to the fundraiser. I just cannot help you to the full extent that you're asking me. Thanks for understanding, you know. Um, But let me show you where you're already doing this really well, which I think is going to boost your confidence. Janine, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Do you have a bank account? I do. Good. Um, do you have a security passcode to access your bank account? Yes. Would you feel comfortable giving everyone who's listening right now that security passcode and directions, how they can have full access to your bank account? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. Is that because you're unkind? No. It's because you're responsible, right? So why do you not want to give everyone free access to your bank account? Um, It's something personal. It's my finances and that's just something private as well. And it's mine. (laughs) Yes. And I would imagine that you don't have unlimited funds in your bank account, right? And if you were to give... (laughs) (laughs) I wish you had unlimited funds. Uh, Me too. (laughs) So you don't have unlimited funds in your bank account. So therefore, you giving out the passcode to people who might not be responsible for that kind of access could create an opportunity for you to become bankrupted, right? Mm. We know it with our financial capacity, but we forget this with our emotional capacity our relational capacity, our physical capacity. And so I think it's a really good exercise to think through in this stage of my life, am I high capacity or low capacity? Again, doesn't make me a bad person or a better person either answer. So just ask myself, am I a high capacity person or a lower capacity person? And am I a, um, 
Like, do I have lots of energy right now or is my energy kind of limited right now? And then start asking yourself in this season with those things in mind, what is my emotional capacity? What is my relational capacity? What is my physical capacity? You know, in a dating relationship, you, you shouldn't give the same kind of physical access to a boy that, that may not have agreed to be completely responsible. Like in a marriage, you can give a lot more physical access because they have vowed that they would be responsible with that access. So when we start thinking about it more logically rather than so emotionally, it helps cut away the guilt because we're making, making our decisions based on facts. Oh, that's so good. I love that bank account analogy. I'm going to use that. That's so helpful. Thank you. Um, okay. Maybe like two more questions. So where do you feel like society gets it wrong? Because I think we've seen society shift to the toxic self-love and it's all about me and it's my time and my thing. And it's all about me, 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 me. Where do you think that we've kind of gone wrong or we're getting it wrong and we're not going towards God's route of boundaries where we're almost becoming too protected too? like, I don't need anyone screw everyone that, you know, messes with me. Where do you think we're getting this wrong? Well, a statement that I hear a lot of people saying is I just have to be true to myself. And I get that, you know, I, I get that you want to be true to yourself, but we need to do a little heart check. Are we being true to our most healed, healthy, whole self, or are we being true to a fractured, unhealed, hurting self? Because those are two very different things. And I think it's important to balance what we call our truth with the only ultimate truth, which is God's truth. And it's God's truth that will set us free. So God created us to live in community. God called us to love God, love other people. And we don't want to operate in extremes. So we don't want to give everyone too much access and bankrupt our capacity. But we also don't want to give like no one access and start operating in isolation. Neither of those extremes are healthy. We have to bring it back to the middle and acknowledge that I want to be true to my most healed, holy, healthy self. And most of all, I want to be true that my truth lines up with God's truth and let God's truth dictate the truth that I'm saying. So I think that's a good way to think about it. That's so good. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, I do think a lot of the people that are doing that of like, oh, I only need me. I don't need anyone. It's, it's a self-preservation. It's a self-defense mechanism that is coming from a hurt place because they've been burned. They've been hurt. They've had people, you know, do certain things to them. And so I think that's such a good question to ask ourselves, but also look at other people and almost maybe empathize for them more of being like, yeah, you're not healthy and that's why you're acting out in that way. And so that's a really good, a really good thing to take in mind. So thank you. Um, okay. I guess just one of the last questions I want to ask is where do you feel like we need to take ownership? Because I think a lot of times we are always creating boundaries for other people. We're like, I need to draw a boundary with you. It's your fault. You're the one always sucking life out of me. But where do you think as, as individuals, where do we need to take ownership? Well, one of the evidence of the fruit of the spirit in us uh, is self-control. And so 
while we cannot control another person, we are responsible to be self-controlled within us. And if we find the worst version of ourself starting to be front and center, we're short-tempered, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're um, impatient. If we, if we find ourselves demonstrating those qualities more and more and more, that's an indication that we aren't exercising appropriate self-control, which really means I'm not putting the proper boundaries on myself in order to keep the best of who I am front and center. So a great exercise would be, Janine, in your journal, write, who is Janine? Who's the best version of Janine? What are those qualities that really exemplify who you really are when you're whole and you're healthy? And you list out those qualities and then right below that say, it is my responsibility to set myself up for success in those qualities that I want to be front and center in my life. Therefore, I need to exercise some self-control with these people or with these areas where I have allowed their actions to hijack my emotions or where I have allowed their requests to become my responsibilities or where I have allowed them so much access, but without requiring responsibility. And so that's on us. That part is on us. And I think it's a really good exercise to ask yourself, who do I want to be? And then put a boundary on yourself to say, in order to be that person, I have to be self-controlled. And in order to be self-controlled, here's some things that may need to change. Mm, that's so good. I love the journal prompts. I'm a big journaler. And so that's super helpful. I'm definitely going to do that. And I think that is like always been the goal of my podcast is to help people do that. I want people to thrive in all aspects of life, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And it's kind of like taking an audit of all of those and checking, like, am I bringing my best foot forward and which vertical is off, which bucket is empty, which one needs to be filled. And I think it's hard sometimes because you don't know maybe how to do that a lot of the times, but I think that's why bringing in friends is helpful for that. Um, so thank you for that. And the last and final question that I ask every single guest that comes on the podcast is what makes you happy and healthy? It could be anything. Just want to hear what makes you happy and healthy. Okay. What makes me happy and healthy right now is to discover things about myself that I have excused away or convinced myself aren't possible for me for way too long. And I have a, a couple of examples of that. I have caught myself before saying, well, I just don't do that. Like recently I went to the ocean with some friends and I was sitting on the sand and my two friends decided to get boogie boards and jump in the waves. And they asked me, do you want to join us? And I was like, oh no, I don't swim in the ocean like that. And then I caught myself and I was like, you know, maybe today I do. And I grabbed a boogie board <laughs> and I went into the ocean and I had such a good time, such a good time. And I thought to myself, where else am I limiting myself? And where else do I need to stop putting such definite definitions on what I do and what I don't do and give myself permission to laugh and have fun and stretch beyond some of the typical limitations I've always thought that I had. And I think that's the purest definition of resilience. And that's making me happy right now. 
I love that. That's so good. I think that's a good challenge for everyone too of like what limitations are you putting on yourself? Because I think yeah, you can just think that's like not a part of your identity or whatever. And in turn, you actually had fun, which is so cool. And that's a good like self-reflection question for me to even journal about probably as well. So thanks for sharing. Um, so but yeah, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know this is going to be such a blessing. I'm so excited to finish reading your book. I'm only like four chapters in, but I'm already been like just digesting this and soaking it up because this book is made for me. Um, so thank you so much for just being bold and willing to share your story and just giving us great truths. Um, I know this book's going to do amazing and it comes out November 8th. So everyone listening can, can get this. And then, yeah, will you just let my followers know where they can get it and where they can follow you as well? Yeah. So you can get good boundaries and goodbyes wherever books are sold. You can find me online at lisaturkers.com. Uh, my name's a little complicated, but maybe in the show notes, you can put the spelling um, yeah, we and will. certainly at Proverbs31.org and on Instagram at Lisa Turkers. And I'd love to meet you there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to finishing off your book and just having this podcast be a blessing to people and have the best day. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks so much. Bye, Janine. All right, you guys, that is today's episode with Lisa. Oh my gosh, it was such a blessing listening to her talk. Truly, like I learned so much from her, so much from her. I was just sitting there like marinating, like soaking it all in, like help, help me. She's so wise beyond her years. She's written so many books. So definitely guys, check out this book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. Um, I believe it's out November 9th and it is just an incredible book. So let me know if this episode bless you. You can reshare it. You can tag me in your Instagram stories. I love resharing them and check out this book. But you guys, I am now going to be signing off. This is going to be the official last episode of season three. I just want to say thank you guys for everything, the shares, the reposts, the donations, buying the merch, just listening every single week, tuning back in. Um, make sure you guys check out the last episode I did where I did a recap of 2021 last season and all my dreams and thoughts going forward and just some things I learned. So make sure you guys check that episode out if you haven't yet. Um, but I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in every week, supporting the podcast. It means the world to me, but we will be back better than ever. I'm really excited for season four and some of the guests I already have lined up coming up. Um, of course, let me know what you want to see, who you want to see on the podcast. So many things on the happy and healthy Instagram happy and healthy podcast and I won't be forever absent on social media like I'll still be posting weekly on my YouTube my Instagram daily on my Instagram TikTok all the things so don't worry I'm not disappearing from the internet just from the podcast for a bit because I just think it's important to take breaks every now and then and I've done that the last three seasons so love you guys thank you for everything and cheers to a great season three but cheers to an even better season four so Thank you guys for everything. I will see you guys very, very soon on this podcast. But until then, I'm like sad. No, I'm sad. Until then, stay happy and healthy. Bye, y'all.